very brief things before we go to that, because just in terms of uh, uh, my response, um, that was that was really uh, extraordinary film. One of the things that I think you can't be in terms of telling the stories is going through the personal stories of individuals and going back to those individuals. You can you can communicate so much through the sort of, sort of the uh, the account of those individuals, and I mean there are many highlights me in the film. Um, one of them is, uh, I think, from the... Um, yeah, I know, and she said uh, she was accused by leftists of being just a feminist. And she said, uh, oh, I'm so proud to be just a feminist in a part of the world where all women are slaves. I'm proud to be, quote, just a feminist. And then followed by what I thought a very, very powerful kind of uh, segment of filmmaking where you suddenly had these serious women looking at the camera in a very, very direct powerful, empowering way. And I was struck by that. And the other, other thing I'd say, make it topical, is it's uh, um, one of the moments in the film, um, you have Boris Johnson in the background, and this, uh, this is a purely a personal comment, and just the contrast struck me of the quality of political discourse amongst these, these various women in the groups they're uh, communicating with, and the impoverished uh, a discourse we have at the moment, not only in this country but other so-called uh, so-called advanced democracies. I think so. That's a very very salutary lesson for us all. I think. Anyway, I'll move you over to you now, Elif. Oh, Welcome okay. to say Hi. a few comments. Um, I'm really sorry if my voice is going to be really annoying right now because I have a cold, but I didn't want to miss this. Um, so I'm here, and I hopefully don't won't infect anyone. <laughs> but. I mean, I've watched this film uh, a few times now, and every time it's it's quite remarkable to see. And I think it, it's in incredibly fitting that it's a part of the decolonizing um, series, because you see these um, three women or three contexts, and you know, in some cases, how they overlap as well. Particularly, um, you know, of one of the scenes where uh, uh, I forgot the name of the. Yes, yeah, so I from Afghanistan, where you see in the background of you know one of um, the revolution in Rojava book, and you know also there's 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 been connections there as well. You know there was a, a women's conference in Frankfurt last October, and she was also there. So it's not it's not just you know it's what we can I guess call joint struggle. Like you can really see that there, and I think Benedetta, I'm sure you know that was quite a conscious. Um, conscious effort in showing that as well uh, but I think I want to speak a little bit about you know how exactly it fits into the discussions that we should be ha having here and um, you know obviously being a part of the Kurdish women's movement you know how women have been are and could, will continue to be a force you know for change but of change as well and how this is becoming more and more around the world you know it's obviously you know this film is a, particularly about the Middle East but we see this we're seeing this in the Latin American context from Argentina Brazil um, you know in other parts of the world as well obviously around uh, Europe as well and I think we're seeing this around the world and you know it's particularly intense in the Middle East for various reasons that we probably, I probably won't have time to go into now, but you know, whether it's the creation of borders a century ago, um, 
you know, the nation state system being incompatible with, particularly with that region, I mean, I think the whole world, but particularly with that region in terms of the feudalism, the tribalism, you know, how all of these have created many social, uh, social uh, incompatibilities that have really come to the surface in a more intense way than I guess a lot of other places in the world. But, you know, we're seeing this clash of civilizations everywhere in the world, you know, and, and, you know, often the pole, the kind of like sections that are created are, you know, the status quo or sliding more into the right. And that's the thing, you know, the, the often the progressive position is shown as, you know, maintaining the status quo. This happens, this is happening here right now. This is happening other parts of the world. This is, this happens in, this is happening in Turkey as well. And I think especially the Kurdish women's movement or the Kurdish uh, liberation movement in general led by uh, the Kurdish women's movement is showing just how legitimate and just how important what we could call the third way is. And which is, you know, obviously rejecting these two uh, options that have been given to or offered to, you know, essentially humanity for such a long time. Um, being able to overcome that and say, you know, humanity is obviously more complex than this. It's not just two options of governing ourselves or living our lives, but there is a third way. I mean, perhaps more ways as well, but in in our case, we talk about something called the third way, and that's exactly what uh, was defended, was developed, and is still being implemented in Rojava, in northern Syria, which is, it's not about um, you know, a, a being an official opposition. It's obviously not about the regime, but it's about you know, if within this conflict, conflict, if this vacuum has been created, we will implement the revolutionary system that we have been preparing for decades. And that's also important as well. That connects to talking about just how long struggle can be, and being able to being able to uh, understand that that's actually almost entirely the beauty of struggle is that it's not overnight and you know in northern syria the context that was shown in this in this film it didn't happen overnight the um the kurdish movement led by abdullah Öcalan had been organizing especially in syria since the 80s you know uh Öcalan with teams of people would go to house after house and turning all like every house they went to into academies to be able to uh, develop and transform society and prepare society for a moment that happened like that happened in 2011 2012 and begin to implement you know therefore create the foundations of what we call a moral political society that can begin to uh, implement the principles and the systems that are based on direct democracy, ecology, ecology and uh, gender liberation. And how all of these principles can't be complete without the other. So you can't just have direct democracy, you can't have a patriarchal, misogynistic direct democracy, you can't have direct democracy and feminism without ecology, you know, you must have a system that challenges and and begins to dismantle all forms of domination to be able to create liberation for society and that's why you know on i mentioned borders at the beginning that's why the kurdish movement um doesn't that, that abandoned the idea of an independent kurdistan because you know 
and that also connects to you know the discussions around you know people talking about you know the support for example for Assad as being anti-imperialist and so on but you know these borders were created a hundred years ago by imperialists so actually if anyone really wants to be truly anti-imperialist then you would be against the borders that was created by imperialists a century ago and therefore that's why the Kurdish uh, movement's approach was to not create new borders but to deem the existing borders obsolete so again that doesn't mean that you get rid of um, you get rid of the existence of Syria or Turkey or Iran or Iraq but make sure that these borders eventually mean don't mean anything so therefore you know how hum humanity should live which is obviously with without borders um, should should you know and that and therefore the, the communities, the villages, the societies that, that were divided a hundred years ago, dividing many communities, and therefore starting, either starting or encouraging the sectarian conflicts that we have seen and that have been used as an excuse for more imperialism um, for decades to be able to get rid of the foundational you know, reason that that was created. And so, you know, um, <coughs> You know, therefore, what has existed for such a long time, which is polarization, competition, and and um, a victimization. And when I talk about victimization, I mean, you know, again, if we're talking about decolonizing, we still don't really understand exactly what it means to be in solidarity with an international struggle. You know, it's either these people, faraway people, are a defenseless people and we want to save them and help them. But when these people are able to defend themselves, we still, in the West, don't know how to be in solidarity with these people. You know, it's still this, it's still this dynamic that, that, are not, that is not understood. And that's why anyone who heard about the Kurdish movement or the fight against ISIS in the last, I guess, like five years or so, would have heard, potentially heard it through mainstream media of you know this incredible fetishization of Kurdish women fighting these like barbaric bearded men. You know this was the this was the 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 you know the rhetoric that was created, right? So there was no discussion around what these people are fighting for, how they are fighting, how they came to be able to even fight in the way that they do, because there isn't really an, a a understanding of the dynamic of how we can be solidarity in solidarity with the people that are not a defenseless people and how how we can therefore see these faraway lands or faraway people as a part of our own joint struggle you know in the name of democracy in the name of uh, you know gender liberation because you know it's not like you know how you know contrary to popular belief or talk women are obviously not free in the west um you know if there's discussions around still around equal pay if we still have um discussions or rediscussions around you know abortion rights and so on you know the, that means that there is there, there's, there must be joint struggle it's just different contexts so um i i, I really want to have more of a discussion but the last thing I will say is one of the I think one of the uniting um, I guess feelings of all these three contexts that the film shows is belief in victory is belief that their struggle will 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 be successful and I think we all need more of that feeling everywhere we are particularly 
um, well, I mean, I'm from London, so particularly in this country, <laughs> um, but everywhere we are, like, it's 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 deeply depressing thing to not believe in the victory of the struggle that you're a part of and i see this so much around me and it's 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 a struggle to have to deal with the, the, this this sentiment around you because you know i deeply believe in the victory of the struggle i'm a part of otherwise why would you be a part of it it wouldn't be beautiful to struggle and and i think that's also part of you know the the fear we have of freedom, actually. I think freedom is quite a scary thing because it's often discomfort for a very long time, you know, because we, we mistake freedom with comfort, and actually it's not. Comfort is a very different thing. And a lot of the time, fighting for freedom and fighting for liberation is being uncomfortable for a while and understanding what, in a way, the recalibration of life can be like. And maybe we all need a bit of that. Thanks. Thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, Benedetta, unless you want to say anything immediately, shall we jump yeah, to questions? Jump. Okay, so the, the format is this. Um, <coughs> we'll take perhaps a couple of rounds of a couple of questions. We, we have a roving mic. Yes. Um, we would invite you, if you ask a question, just briefly. This is an invitation. It's not compulsory to identify yourself, please. And ask again, or invite, I should say, for the question to be brief to allow as many people to ask questions. Okay, Who's, who would like to ask a question? I wanted to start with a woman, actually, so can we... At the back? So, hello, I'm a student in, in gender here at the LSE, and so thank you very much for letting us see the movie, uh, which was <coughs> very interesting and very powerful. And um, I wanted to ask you something about how, how you managed the privacy concerns uh, with the women you were uh, filming, especially with the ones in Afghanistan and Iraq, when they were uh, demonstrating or they were looking for help for domestic violence, so their face was visible. So how did you manage that? Thank you. Okay, thanks. And we question here and then one over there with the first three. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you very much for uh, the film and for the screening today. I just, I was just wondering about kind of the original idea for the film, like what led, what inspired you to create this film and how did you then go about being able to fully like voice the voices of these women in particular and it's just interesting that kind of you, you're kind of removed from the film in itself, like you created the film, but I feel like there was a very natural and very kind of strong uh, authenticity to the voices of the women. So I just, I'm just thinking, like, how, how was it? Like, how did you go about? How was the process of like making sure that it's their stories being told and not what you wanted? Mm. Thank you. Good. And the over here. Next, next one. Yeah. Oh, so I'm going to start at the back, I promise. I'll come back to you next round, yeah. Hi, um, my name's Kit Rickard, I'm at UCL doing a PhD there. Um, yeah, that was great, thank you so much. Um, some, so we know that um, women make a lot of, in certain conflicts, women make important gains during the conflict itself. So Rwanda and Bosnia, Northern Ireland, uh, the Irish Revolution, right? 
Um, I'm just wondering, because some recent work, especially by Mary Berry, shows that a lot of these gains are, are actually really short-lived and, and they tend to lose them uh, afterwards. And a lot of her work is on Côte d'Ivoire, uh, Rwanda or Bosnia. And I'm wondering, is there an awareness of this with the people that you spoke with? And are they, are they taking steps to ensure that what they win now, they can maintain? Thank you. Thank you very much for those questions. So I'll go in order, I guess. I think, is this working or not? But can you hear? Can you hear? Yep. Okay. So about the privacy concern, it's actually, it was very, very important because it's not just about privacy, but it's also about security of this woman because this woman actually trusted us. And of course, you know, like there have been times uh, we always asked before start filming if everybody was okay, if everybody, you know, it was a, if somebody was not okay to be on camera, then we would take the, you know, a step back or not include it in the film. So there, are, of course, you know, there is also the editing room in which we worked a lot and made sure that everybody was okay about showing their face. And it's also a question of trust as well. You know, I know we have footage of people that shouldn't have been, that should not be <coughs> seen outside, you know, our tapes. And this is what we did. But I think that it was... Uh, uh, very important to, to make sure that everybody was aware that we were filming and what, what, what was the project about. So, for instance, in Iraq, which was a very, very sensitive place, one of the things is they asked me, is it is it going to go on TV, on Iraqi TV? And uh, no, it's not going to go on Iraqi TV. So they felt more easy going about that. In Afghanistan, it was different. In Afghanistan, of course, you know, the woman, the scene that you watched about the about Selai going, Selai as the Afghan protagonist, um, going into uh, that meeting with all the women in Burqa, just because they attended that meeting, those women, you know, risked to get killed. So they risked their lives to get there. So this is why most of them were not very comfortable of taking off the Burqa that otherwise they might have had. You know, so if you if they wanted to disguise themselves, that was fine for me. So the important, the most important things for us was for this woman to be safe and not to be shown in the camera. So this is the approach that we have. <coughs> so going to the second question, the original idea. So, well, thank you very much, first of all, because the fact that you felt that I'm not there. It's what was one of the main objective. You know, we've seen not not as a criticism, but it's also a way, you know, you can make a film is to introduce, you know, to get yourself into the scenes. This is something that I do not like and I never do and I try to be as removed as possible to give as much space to the people uh, to talk. And um, so the idea at first came about because uh, as uh, when I was introduced, I was yeah, I've been in Iraq and Syria since 2014, and I realized that the Kurdish struggle, the woman Kurdish uh, Kurdish struggle, was something that it was not, that it was like uh, being spread out, and other women were actually looking and resisting, and it was not just, you know, them through a history of struggle fighting back. So, and uh, I met Yanar Mohammed in 2015 in New York when she came to the um, Security Council to have a speech about women in, uh, in Iraq, the condition of women in Iraq. And then 
little by little, I started, you know, researching the different movements that you had in different places, and then I got to Salai. The important thing was for me to choose three people that had a movement behind. So if anything would happen to them, the struggle would continue. Because this is what's happening with, for, with the, the, all, uh, sorry, the three protagonists. All of them, they are, yes, they're sp spokesperson in a way or another of a movement, but without that movement, without you know the solidarity, of women around them, they would never be able to do their, their job. So this was one, one very, very, very important things for me. Now, before like releasing the film, of course, all of the three women had you know watched it, and I was very, very pleased that nobody really wanted to change anything. So mm -hmm. for me, it was like a great victory, to be honest. But yeah, and then going to the third one, sorry. Uh, I think that I'm going to start answering this, but maybe Alif can jump in because I think it's very important. I think there is an awareness about, you know, um, the threat of any gains to be taken away. And I think that one of, of the main points of the Kurdish revolution, especially of the women's revolution, is to have a political revolution alongside the fight. And I think that that was very, very important in order to establish us, not just some, not just them as fighter, as very, very good fighter, the Yepeje, but also politically wise. So the establishment of uh, houses for women or committees or everything that that's around the struggle that will allow the woman, you know, to resist of any possibilities of those rights to be taken away. <coughs> sorry. And, oh, shit, sorry. Um, yeah, just to add on, I, um, I mean, I think you summarized it pretty well, but, um, you know, the awareness is is obviously important because then the, the, there is genuine precautions being taken, but also uh, kind of uh, in the there's you know there's more of an incentive to institutionalize certain aspects of this alternative system. So you know whether it's the most important or level or all you know all the important decisions about communities and societies get made on the commune level, and so. You know, it's to therefore there's there's a lot of effort to make sure that people become more and more active in these structures, and also you know there there always has been a minimum forty percent quota for women. So a commune to be able to be a commune or even an assembly like a neighborhood assembly, a canton, you know, any level of administration to be legitimized or to exist, it must be for at least forty percent women. And there has to be that there is a co chair system. So every level of administration, every level of society has has a co chair system as well. And so all of these uh, you know what I guess we can call institutionalizations of um, women's liberation would, was done from the very beginning of the fight against ISIS. So it wasn't just like, you know, let's liberate Kobani first and then we'll put the system in. These were happening parallel to each other, which is why I think, um, it, you know, it, it's quite remarkable because no, none of the political or the social revolution was never sidelined. They were happening exactly at the same time. And therefore, you know, the, the armed struggle uh, you know, particularly the fight against ISIS, um, there was always a bit of a separation with that to make sure that there is a focus on the transformation of society. And, and also to mention, 
you know, one of the, I guess, one of the definitions of states or nation states is the monopoly of monopoly on violence. And one of the, the main ways in which that is uh, overcome is, you know, all of the local uh, forces are answerable to the very bottom level of society. So therefore, no top hierarchy can have a monopoly over any armed structure. And also, every single person that, is, that gets to hold a a arm of some sort has to receive the political education first and that political education includes uh, you know women's liberation history and what we call genealogy as well so and there and also th there's a renewal of this all the, all the time you know I spoke about even from the 80s of you know essentially treating every house as, as an academy that that also still exists like there's academies there's thousands of academies all across northern syria there's also you know there's a rojava university now there's other like education structures but there's academies everywhere and everyone in society is encouraged to go through um this like political and social education and yeah there are, there are risks and you know you can never know what will happen but you can just know that especially the women are determined enough to ne not let go of their freedom, especially after this point. Thank you very much. Uh, next three questions, lady here. Yeah, just wait for the mic when you stick your hand up. Thank you. Hi, Belinda Perriman. Um, started an organization, Kurdish House London, to link Kurds up here in London. I'd really like to hear the panel talking specifically to the hashtag with the film. So, so you really, what do you think the film says about decolonizing LSE, but maybe London, you know, maybe the Western world, however wide. But I, I think it's fascinating, and I'd really love to hear your views on that. Thank you. Thank you. Good question. Strengthen mm -hmm. the Um, thank you very much, Benita, uh, for, for the film. Fantastic. Um, my, my, my name is Alberto Portugues, and I have a, a movement uh, called HUFUD. It stands for Uni Humanity United for Universal Demilitarization. And so my question is, if in your travels through all those countries you have spoken to people women or men who are aware of the fact that 99% of the troubles they have are all concocted by indirectly by the arms trade because because governments the Afghanistan has an embassy in Washington has an embassy in London uh, Britain and, and America also have embassies in Afghanistan and, of course, in all the other countries as well. And uh, diplomats work together with the secret services of those countries. CIA is everywhere. And uh, MI6 is also there. And, and their, their, uh, their uh, mission is to uh, encourage export of the weapons we make and in order to <coughs> succeed succeed in this 
uh, horrible, dirty business, we have to uh, use religion and we use it very effectively. And Thank you, I've got a to me, to me, my, my question is if you, question. If you, Thank you. find people who are aware of the situation, how they are victims, victims of the arms trade, and if there were no weapons to be used by anybody, uh, all these horrors that we see in the film would have never happened and would never happen. And we could all live in a, a, the society that could be as modern as ours. Thank uh, you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Third question, lady right at the back. Wait for the microphone, yeah? So I'll keep making new ones here. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was an excellent film. Um, really impressed at how genuine it felt and, and the portrayal of the different stories. My, my question, and this might not have been deliberate, um, but I was just interested in how the, the three different stories had three different ways to um, present their, their struggle and their, their push for change. So in Afghanistan, uh, political in Iraq, it was, it was providing security and, and legal pushes and, and activism. And then in Syria, it was the use of force. And just if you had any reflections on ways, uh, how it's done differently and, and how women um, try and navigate which pathway to take in their activism. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. So I think I'm going to start and I'm going to work, walk my way up. Um, yeah, of course, I mean, there are the three different ways of struggle was kind of deliberate because there is not one way, there is not a perfect method, but it depends very much on the context uh, and the moment of time, you know, because uh, even uh, things change and developed. And uh, so it was very interesting for me to see like the different approaches of the different countries, depending on which historical moment they were in at that really moment, because right now it's already changed in a way. In, more for Rojava than for the other uh, the other two, but it's, and that doesn't mean that the struggle is just a moment in time, but it's just a continuous. And I think it was important to show how you know how differently you can struggle in different and again in different ways. And I think that that's very very important because it's um, it shows also you know like. Um, a different, oh, sorry, I got kind of, it shows also how differently you can, you can approach on anything. So it was very deliberately in a way, and uh, I, I think it works also for the flow, because you, you, you know, when you make a film, you, you think of it, you think about the message, but you also you need to think about the narrative, how you know it changes, and how you know, like this, you can, you illustrate the different the different parts of any struggle. Uh, about the arm trades, um, yes, I think that there is a general awareness about you know how foreign governments have a lot to do with the regional conflict, especially in the Middle East and especially in Afghanistan. I think that some parts of it are sometimes conspiracy theories are very strong in certain part and sometimes, but because also there is in every single conspiracy theory, there is also always a base of truth. 
So, but in general, people are uh, very aware about the inf the inference that a lot of governments and the let's say um, the money that can be made out of war. I think that there is a general awareness of that. I think that there is uh, less resources, especially you know, like in general, to understand how to fight, how to f how to fight a government that come into your country and interfere with like general stability or regional or like local stability. But yes, to answer your question, yes, there is that kind of awareness. And uh, about the decolonizing, I'm uh, sorry, I didn't really get the questions right. I, I'm not too sure what you really want me to talk about, but I think then in general, the film does fit very much into like this week. Also because it kind of shows I think that there is a need in general, and, there, and I'm personally very happy that the women's movement, not just in this, in the region, and not just in Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan, but all over, I think the world is taking a big stand because, uh, as before, Liv was mentioning the fact that we are talking about abortion once again, something that we really thought that it was something that it was a right that was granted. It also should tell us that no rights are granted and we should always be able, not not be able, but we should always defend it and we should always take care of those rights because otherwise it's no time that can get away, you know, that people can take it away from you. So I think that one of the biggest mistakes as any movement is to think that you reach the status quo in which everything gets settled. Well, I think once again, this is never true and you should always be very aware about this. So I think, you know, in general, this, the, this film wanted to bring also a sign of hope and, and strength to all the women around the world because if these women are fighting, there is no reason why we should not defend our rights in our countries. And I think that that was the main message for the Western audience to take away from the film. Did you want to add anything? The only thing I have to add to yeah. what you just said, because Benedetta put it so eloquently, um, is um, one of the founders of the Kurdish movement, but particularly the Kurdish women's movement, Sakine Jansas, one of my favorite quotes of hers is, in my utopia, there will always be struggle. Mm -hmm. And that means that, you know, freedom is, like I said, it's not about comfort per se, but it's about the freedom to be able to struggle and to feed freedom to continue to struggle and being in love with struggle in that way and, you know, which connects to constantly being able to defend and, you know, the self-defense aspect, you know, the, the Rose Theory the Kurdish movement talks about, which is every living organism ha has its mechanisms of self-defense, just like the rose has its thorns. So, you know, we must have self-defense in all areas of our lives um, and that overcomes, you know, the, obviously the dependence on, like, you know, uh, militarism, which obviously should be overcome. But if you build systems and structures and mechanisms and personalities of self-defense, then, you know, that it, that also becomes struggle as an inherent part of kind of like our societies. Yeah, and, and if I just say, because um, the question was addressed also to the... Uh, the school and those of us who, who work here as educators and <coughs> even when we believe that we're educating students to, to think critically and to be engaged with the problems in the world 
and we do that in a way which we think is as open and inclusive and respectful as possible, there's always, always uh, uh, um, the need to be interrogated by the other, to, 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 be, to, to, to be questioned, to be challenged, to be disrupted sometimes, and, and to be aware of, of other alternatives. Because even those of us who think we may uh, be progressive sometimes have taken for granted assumptions and categories. And so, I mean, we call the Middle East Center. That's a whole discussion by itself, the title of the center, yeah? And we'll be talking about that at a session at the uh, LSE Research Festival in, in March, yeah? Um, these taken for granted categories deserve, deserve kind of interrogation. But I, I can't better your, 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 your uh, summation, Benedetta, of, of the film as a source of hope and struggle, because I think that captures the essence of it. I really have to apologize. We have to, we have to finish now, because we've gone over time. But uh, before we finish, I just, this, is, this is relevant to, to the topic. If you're interested in our next event, next Tuesday on the 8th, we've got a, a report launch from the LSE Conflict Research Program at the center, uh, uh, which is on response to reparations for conflict-related sexual violence in Iraq the case of Shia Turkmen survivors in Tel Afar. If you're interested in this, please go to our website where you can uh, register for the event. Free, but please uh, register. Uh, with that, all that remains, please, if you would join me, please, in thanking our panelists, and particularly Benedetta for that fantastic film. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you.